Well, I found out a long time ago, if people don't have a heart, they're not going to do anything about it anyway. Judas Iscariot had a real good teacher. Didn't do him better good. Had signs and wonders and miracles and everything. I got two sermons here tonight. I'm going to blend both of them together. If I can find Justin anywhere, I have a video that I'm trying to get him to show, and I, we may have crossed wires. It might be my fault. Get your Bible out and go to Mark 8. He asked me, was I going to be preaching on the Holy Ghost tonight? And I said, sort of, yes and no. I always preach on it sort of. I think everything turns into Holy Ghost after a while, Mark 8. But I had the Spirit of God deal with me about something the other day. And he began, I began to have these questions pop up in me. And one of them is this. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to think real, real serious about this. Let's say that you've lived your life out, and now you're an elderly person. And you are, have, you're, you're, you're on your deathbed. You're, you're not dying of cancer, nothing. It's just you, you don't have to be sick to die. You know that. Amen. And so... Um, you're about to go. The family's around saying goodbye to you. And the doctor said you're going to be gone within, you know, the next 12 or 24 hours. So I have a question. What's important on that day? What's important to you? Hmm? Well, I'm talking about what's important to you. Okay, so what's important you're laying on your deathbed. Let's say you're a ripe old 99 years of age. You've lived your life out. The most important thing to you to that day, and I want you all to answer me. I don't mind you talking to me when I'm preaching. It makes me know you're listening, actually. What, what is important? Yes. Your number one, every person's number one would be, are you saved? Nothing, I mean, I, I honestly, I can't think of anything else. Okay, now, um, you said, are you saved? Your family, would that be a big deal to you laying in your deathbed? Just say you've got five kids. Would, would the fact that any of them are not making it, would that bother you a little bit? Like, oh, my God, I'm laying here knowing good and well you're not making it. Oh, this is bothering me. Would that bother you? Okay. Uh, what about grandkids sitting around? There's, now there's a dozen grandkids. They're sitting around. What if, what if you knew half of them were not doing well? Would that bother you some? Sure. Okay. Now I want you to notice something. Well, there's, is there anything else? Is there anything else? Any, can you think of anything that you could add to this? You can see the scripture we're going to use. You notice nobody say anything about your car? You notice nobody said anything about, I wish I made more money. You notice every, everything you said was family and people. So here's my, I'm going to make a statement to you. If that's important then, why is it not important now? Or, or, or do we make assumptions And we do. I think all of us make assumptions. In other words, every day of our life, we're looking around thinking everything's fine, and it may not be. In other words, you, you, may, you may die on the way home tonight. What, what, what's important? Tom Copeland told me something one time, and 
uh, their daughter drowned. Uh, they went out in the pool, dug her up, prayed for her, and she came back to life. He said, you know, nothing mattered that happened that day except my daughter. Nothing was important. And I think sometimes we need to stop and ask ourselves, are we placing too much importance on what is not important? In other words, when, well, let's read the scripture. What does it profit if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now that, I know you've read that, but, I wanna, but I'm going to tell you where this came from. The other day I was on Facebook. And Christians were saying, we need to pray for the people's houses in California. <laughs> I don't give a four-wheel flying rip about the house. The, the vast number of people in California are going to hell. Why is it no one ever says we need to pray for the people in California? I mean, I'm talking about around you and right now. I want you to give you some numbers and I want you to think about this. In the United States of America... 20% of the people in this nation claim to be born again. 10% in the world. And yet, you don't hear a lot about we need to pray for their soul. As a matter of fact, most of the stuff people are talking about don't amount to a hill of beans. You're taking it serious. Now, I'm going to make another statement here, and I want you to think about what I'm going to say very, very seriously. How are your kids doing? How are they doing? And I'm not here to point fingers or go, you know, you need to, you bad mama, you bad daddy. I'm not even, that's not even my issue. The Lord asked me one day, are you willing to go to heaven without your kids? I said, no, sir. He said, you might want to make some adjustments. A statement, a statement. Because, I, because you can sort of think, well, they're, they're, they're 15, they're 16. No, no. You, you have to start. What I'm talking about is priorities in life. I'm talking about your priorities. And, and right now, well, the hardest thing that I deal with as a pastor is people whose priorities are wrong. It isn't that what people, Christians for the most part are not bad people in this church. You don't have any bad people in this church. But you have people whose priorities are screwed up. I mean, the number one issue is making money. And yet, nobody mentioned money. You're not going to lay in your deathbed and go, I wish I made more money. And, and let's come back to your kids for a minute. If you don't take, make it a priority now, I'm going to tell you a little secret. When they get to be young adults, they're walking. Then if you think you didn't pray when they were kids, you're going to do some praying now. And no condemnation, but we all do. I had a youth group in Tom's church. And I mean, I had every kid in that, that youth group, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. Three quarters of them screwed their life up when they left. Because their parents never took, get these kids in the word serious. 
They just thought, well, they're saved. So when's the last time you had this thought? Well, I'm saved. Yeah. So I'm not going to name names. I'm just going to go down the list a minute. I mean, I, I got some people in my head, and I'm not going to tell you. This is called constructive criticism, not destructive. But I have one man that looked at me one day and says, Pastor, I did everything I know. I said, Brother, I know you did, but you don't know anything, and that was a choice you made. You are an ignorant man, but you have chosen to be ignorant. And he didn't really like it because all of his kids, except for one, are out of the will of God right now. And every one of them were raised in, in this church. Are you out there? And I mean, they were in church and read their Bible and, you know, be a nominal, half-baked, lukewarm Christian. And so one of his sons is on drugs and the other one is uh, out of the will of God. And one of his kids have been married five times. And Are you all out there or did you go home? Because we've never been taught, why don't you think a little bit about what you do every day? What's it gain? What, what gain is it to sit in heaven and go, well, I got two kids that didn't make it. God almighty, I, I'll tell you what, water skiing wasn't, if I had anything to give up, I'd, I would have changed some stuff if I could do it again. You don't want to lay there and say that. You might want to think about it now because your, your consecration to God doesn't have a thing to do with me. I'm going to say something to y'all. I want y'all to hear this. Just listen to me real carefully. When I got born again in Athens, Georgia, I had no church and I had no pastor. And I grew in God. Your growing in God has nothing to do with the church you go to. You could grow in God if I was a moron. If you wanted to. If I stood up here and just said, Jesus loves me, this I know every Sunday, and that's all I ever did. You could grow in God if you wanted to. You have a Bible. Do you understand? We, you, you have to stop thinking about why it is that you do what you do, and you have to decide what priorities you're going to make. You decide what your priorities are in life. You decide how much you call your kids. You decide whether you sit with them and pray at night. You decide whether you sit in their bedroom and pray in the Holy Ghost with them. You decide whether they have where they're required to read Bible scriptures and learn them when they're kids. You decide whether they get disciplined promptly and, and are you know, not allowed to, to act like a complete idiot all their life. You, you make those decisions. And life is not easy. I'm going to tell you all, life is hard. I mean, we, we may get into something in a minute, but I'm going to show you that if you're going to live for God, you will suffer. We don't talk about that much, do we? Okay. Having said that. One more we didn't cover. What about regrets? I wish I spent more time with. I wish I had treated so-and-so. I wish I had told them. Lisa told me this one day. She says, um, when my mom dies, I will have no regrets. And she didn't. She spent a lot of time with her mom. She spent, she did things with her mom and for her mom. And I will tell you, it was not easy for her to do it. 
And she's the only one in the family that did. And the rest of them are sitting around and going, oh, and Lisa wasn't crying at the funeral. She says, I did it all. I have no regrets with my mother. I was a very good daughter to my mom. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm proud of Lisa because of her, the way she, the way she handles herself when it comes to her family. She, she makes sure that she has a relationship with her brother's kids. She makes sure that family comes over. We had all of her pearly family over to the house the other day. Now, you don't understand this, but Lisa's mother was a pearly before she married Leggett. So that's the name, pearly. Doesn't mean pearl, great price, just pearly. So all the pearly kids, which is another side of the family, Lisa invited them over to the house, brought them all over to our house, and just had a get-together so she could get to know them. Now, whether you understand this or not, most Christians are dealing with something and they have no one to talk to. So immediately, over what began in the afternoon as a barbecue at the Morgans, turned into ministry where I spent one hour talking to one of the relatives about being filled with the Holy Ghost. It always turns out that way. I mean, if you're going to have family over, you're going to talk about Jesus. But we understand that that's important to us because those are people. There's a lot of things we could do that week, but we had a get-together because we don't want regrets. Are y'all following me? Okay. Now, Justin, I'm trying to figure out how to get this into the, show you this. I have a video, and, and, and I watched it the other day. It's by Brother Hagen, and it's about the time we're in now. He's prophesying on this video in the 60s about what's coming to America. So I'm going to make a statement to you all right now before he starts. He's going, to, he's going to start prophesying under the anointing of God about something troubling coming to America. What he is prophesying about, we're there now. So let me make a statement to you all, all right now. The world we're living in is not the same as it was 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago. It is not the same world. And I'm going to say something because he says it on this. It's never going back there again. As a matter of fact, and I want you to say this, say, I have no fear. It is going to get worse. Do you all understand that? I'm not, I'm not preaching fear to you. I'm just telling you that your priorities in life have got to change now. You, you and I can't go through life, Ozzy and Harriet. This is not the day of 55 Chevrolets and, and Bobby socks. There is a war, there's a spiritual war going on for your soul and your children. Now, before we show it, I'm going to say something to y'all. The day of sending your kids off to college, I wouldn't send my kids to college in the United States if you gave me $1 million. They're institutions of pure hell. They're, they're, I mean, listen, you, you've got to understand something. We're dealing with the devil, and he's not playing. But church members are kind of like, 
la 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 that's making it that's making my job difficult because we're kind of going through life like everything's fine and it's not I'm not trying to scare you I'm just trying to make you go you know whenever i was listening to art's daughter May, it may have been what she said or what I read in her book, and I don't remember which one. But the first time she ever heard a bomb go off nearby, your brain goes, what's that noise? You know, you're just not thinking bomb. After you've heard a couple, you know what that is. But you almost, you know, when you get into a war zone, it's almost like this didn't just happen, did it? Did someone just blow up a car right outside the restaurant? And you're like, nah, that's in movies. No, it's not. All right. But sometimes in America, the world is entering into a war zone, and the greater one's in us. We're more than equipped, but not if we play. In other words, we need to start taking the Word of God a whole lot more serious than we are. And I said all that to make that one statement. Go ahead and play, Brother Hagin. I want him to see this. And this is an old video. Just listen to the voice because I don't know what the guy was trying to do with his face. And I went, as it were, up into the air and stood with him, the head of the church, even the Lord Jesus Christ, in the air. And as I looked down upon the ground, I could see as a mouth laid out before Turn it up here. The entire nation, all of the states of the continental United States. And as I looked, he said, Behold, son, and I shall show you that which shall come to pass, and that which the eyes of many shall see, and they shall remember that their ears heard that it shall come to pass. For there came a dark hand up out of the ocean from the east even the Atlantic Ocean it came up out of the sea as a hand and as it rose up into the air it became a dark cloud and it filled the whole atmosphere and yea it swept in like a storm and I said oh Lord oh Lord oh Lord and he spake unto me and said, Son, that is the darkness of atheistic communism that is sweeping across the nation. It's 1960. Even in the minds of men in high places and politicians with great power. And this nation shall not grow more strong, and ye shall never have more liberty than you have now but liberties that you've known as you have seen seen them see shall be seized and shall be taken from you and I looked again and I could see upon the mouth a blot as though a bottle of ink had been spilled and it spread out over several states in the south and east and then I looked and I could see spots, splotched all over the map. And I said, Lord, what meaneth this? 
and he said, communistic-inspired hatred among races shall cause greater turmoil than your nation has seen heretofore. Yea, it is not the will of God, but men's hearts are perverse. They walk without the love of God and seek to have their own way. And so it shall be worse than you have seen. And I said, Oh Lord, Oh Lord, is there a remedy? Is there a remedy? What shall the answer be? And he said, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceived and being deceived. And then I said, Oh Lord, do we have nothing to look forward to in the future except the darkness, the blackness, war, destruction, evil? Then he said, Son of man, forget not your text, for you look at the thing not seen. And so then I looked into the spirit realm, and I saw falling upon that mountain a ball of fire from heaven. The closer to the earth, the bigger it got. And then when it came to the earth, it divided into small balls or sparks of fire and fell upon men. And I saw an army of men rise up. And it seemed as though their hands were fire. And they sat upon their heads a ton of fire. When I first saw it, I thought their whole head was a head of fire like their hands. But it was a tongue of fire, tongues of fire leaping. And I said, what meaneth this? And he said, before the worst of them, and the day of darkness is come, there shall those who will go who shall carry the fullness of my truth and the fire, not only to the states of this nation, but to many other places. For there is a work that must be done first spiritually before the Lord will come. Now prepare ye your hearts, for the time is at hand, and the beginning is now. And ye shall see, and ye shall know, for the hand of the Lord is upon you, and many of us, to be used in these last days, and the work shall progress. Go ahead and shoot that. That's powerful. When you start talking about communists... In 1963, that was the day that everything in America was going great. So there's no way in the world he was prophesying from a newspaper because there wasn't any of this in a newspaper. So he made a statement. He said, um, it's not going to get better. But I said all that to say this one thing. What did he say the answer was? Fire God. God has given you everything you need to make it. Did you know that? He didn't leave you without. But, the, but you and I have got to start thinking very seriously about this thing called walking with God. And, and I'm going I'm to tell you, it's, it's, it's kind of disheartening a little bit to me because people say to me, I'm saved. 
as though, wait, what's happening now? It's just going to keep, this is going to go on year after year after year after year. It's not. This is not fear-mongering. It's called get ready. Be ready. Be prepared. There's no reason. Let me say it to you another way. When I was in school, I hated tests because I didn't study. Thank you. I'll come over here. You see, but there was a few times, more, I mean, I'm not going to say a few times, there were times when I actually went home and took my spelling words, and the teacher would give us 25 of them at a time, and I would read them out loud to myself, and so that after about an hour, I wasn't afraid of the test. I knew the words. When you're ready, you're not afraid, but you have to stop and go, what do I need to be doing right now? Because I could have been out playing baseball or I could have been in my bedroom getting ready for the spelling test in the morning, which I knew was coming. Get out your paper and number from 1 to 25 and get all your books away. Come on, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been, you're not that old. You still remember school. Well, I always got a stomach ache on the days that I played baseball instead of studying. Because I already knew it was going to be a C, a D, or an F. And I wasn't going to remember all 25 words just because I read them once or twice. Now, I have a pretty good mind. I actually can read some words and, you know, and, and remember them. But, but most of the time, I'd, I'd miss five or six of them if I didn't study, maybe seven or eight. And so that, that, don't, that didn't fly. So my teachers would put on the paper, Daryl has more potential than he is using in red ink, which means that he's goofing off. So when, so when I got born again, I decided I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to make sure I'm ready. I'm studied up. And I think it's time for the church to sit back and say, well, wait a minute. If the greater one is in us, then are we, should we be worried? No. Sunday night, we were in here in prayer. And, and I love the fact that Nicole got up and just started singing. I mean, it's just being led by the Holy Ghost. I mean, we, I don't come in with an agenda, nor did I think we're going to just sing. But I knew it was God, so we just sang. And I know the Holy Ghost came on me, and I began to prophesy about being able to step over into the Spirit. There is an anointing on you, and you need to be able to get in it and walk in it. Do you know the voice of God well enough to get on a plane or not? Do you know the voice of God well enough to know when you're supposed to make an adjustment in what you're doing? Have you ever argued with God when he told you to do something? I have. Have you ever wished you didn't? Yeah, we all have. But those are things that he's training you and teaching you that when he says something and you're thinking, this makes no sense. Well, you don't have to, something doesn't have to make sense to obey God. That just means that no, it doesn't make sense, but you know it's God. Even though it doesn't make sense, Mary Friend said one time, she says, the, oh, she's fixing to get on an airplane, and I mean, the Holy Ghost just dealt with her to get off. And listen, when you get off an airplane, you upset the whole airport, because they're thinking you just brought a bomb on and now you're leaving. It's no big deal for you to say, I want to get off this plane. You're fixing to get investigated. And so she says, I'm just, I'm getting off the plane. Well, 
it was a big deal. Well, that plane, did it crash, Lisa? Something happened to it. Something really, really bad happened. Yeah. What happened to it? It crashed. It crashed. Now, you and I have got to start knowing enough about God. But if, we, if, if, we're, if, we're not, if we haven't even made walking with God the number one priority, in other words, making money, is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. Is um, having a hobby wrong? It's not wrong. So this is the kind of stuff where Satan starts messing with your head. What you're doing is not wrong. Well, no, it's not wrong. It's just that at this time, the Holy Ghost is going, don't do that. Don't do that today. You do something else today. One of the things that he started dealing with me is that just because it's Tuesday or Thursday doesn't mean I always have to come in. There are days I need to get up and pray. And I don't always know why. Okay. If we say I'm saved, what does that look like? I'm going to wait for some answers because I want you to think. What does I'm a saved, I'm a Christian, what does it look like to make that statement to a person? Love? Of who? Well, love means being nice to people. To some people, I love people. I'm nice to people. I'm not mean. So, I mean, I mean, how many? I mean, I'm talking about a lot of people go, "I'm saved." So, if you're saved, what does that look like? Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one at you. I'm gonna throw one at you. Why does the church today look nothing like the Book of Acts? So, you're saved. Y'all are mumbling, but you know. I don't, I don't mind you answering now. You're not going to hurt my feelings, I promise you. And you're not going to say anything wrong. So, what was it? I mean. Religious teachings. You can be religious. Be a good person. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I can spot a Christian. You can spot Fire. You can spot fire. Is California on fire? If you were there, do you think you'd know it? Smell the smoke, feel the heat. When you get around somebody on fire, you're not walking around going, I wonder if they're a Christian. Oh, there, you don't want that. The one of the judges, one of the judges, uh, I went to the VFW when they had the hobnob. And one of the ladies running for judges, I'm walking around. I want to meet these people running for office. I don't know who they are. And one of the things that judges are not allowed to tell you is their uh, affiliation with their Democrat or Republican. I want to know. I want to know what you believe. You want me to vote for you, I'm going to know what you believe. So she looked at me. She just lady didn't know me from Adam's house cat. And she looked at me she said, here comes trouble. I said, sweetheart, that's exactly what Satan said to me when I woke up. And I put my finger right on her, right on her nose. And she backed up like I hit her. And she said, oh, my God. I said, sweetheart, you may not have ever met a Christian. If, if my statement rocked your boat, I ain't voting for you. 
One of the ladies running said, well, I'm a conservative, I'm a conservative sort of. I went, really? I said, I'm not quite sure what that means. I think that sounds like lukewarm to me. I didn't say that to her. I just looked at her and went, okay, mark you off. All right. So you're walking around watching people, how they act to find out what they believe. How, how do you carry yourself? What do you talk about when you get among people? It doesn't take long to figure out whether someone's, you know, on the word of God. If you're avoiding talking about God, you know, I'm sitting around going, that doesn't, you said you're saved. You don't look real saved to me. You don't act real saved. I had a lady one time in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, my boss, and her husband was the head of the Chamber of Commerce in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she, um, I walked in one day and I was talking to her because I'm going to Rama, and I, I said something about the Lord, and she said, I don't talk about politics or religion. I said to her, I said, well, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you. So now I know where you stand, honey. And she wasn't ready for that. If you care about people, don't just leave them alone when they do something. How else are you going to help someone if you never talk to them. If they're headed to hell, don't sit and pretend like they're not. Jesus said, I told her what Jesus said. If you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my father. And she looked at me like, what? She may have never had anybody ever tell her that in her life. Not gonna sit there and let this lady go to hell because she said something. I don't. I don't talk about politics and religion. I said I wasn't talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship. I'm not religious. Are y'all out there? So when it, when someone says I'm saved, I want to know what what does it look like. What does it look like? Because because I know people right now that say they're Christians, and and when they die. I mean, I, I want to know, are you a Christian? How do, I, how do you know you're a Christian? Where's the scripture and show it to me in your Bible? Well, I don't know where it is. In the Bible. Well, why don't you know where it is? This is the most important that you're dying right now and you don't even know where to find how you're saved in that book right there. What have you been doing for 85 years? And if you can't, then where are your kids going? Well, I hope they're going to make it. They're not. I had a man, he called me one day, and I'm working on the cabin up in Paisley. And he says, I can't come to work today. My dad's in the hospital. And I said, well, I'll advise you to go see him. I says, is he a Christian? He says, he's a good man. I said, that's not what I ask you. I mean, I'm just going to, listen, we have a man dying and going to hell. Is that okay? I mean, is that important? Maybe this is not very important. important. Maybe I just hang up and go, well, God bless you. So on the phone, I said, well, I'm going to take the time and I'm going to teach you on the phone how to know whether he's saved and lead him in the Lord. I said, are you game? I said, where do you, how long have you been a Christian? He said, 25 years. I said, you've been saved 25 years and you don't know how to lead someone to the Lord. Why do you not know how to lead someone to the Lord? You've been saved 25 years. Yeah. 
What has been important to you in your life that your dad's going to hell and you don't know how to get him saved? What in the world are you doing? Oh, the fires in California. Listen, there's fires after California. And they don't ever go out. America's in a war zone, guys. It is in a flat-out war zone. Your kids are going through the most difficult era in history. They better know Jesus and be filled with the Holy Ghost. If they're not, that must become priority one. Now, I love ballet, but get them in church. I love karate, get them in church. I love Disney, get them in church. I love your in-laws and your outlaws and your grandmama, get them in church. Quit playing a game. Because if it's not important now, when does it become important on your deathbed? It's too late to start thinking about it. So this man looks at me and says, well, I don't know. I said, well, you're going to know when you leave. So I spent 15 minutes, John 3, 16 through 20. I just, 21, I just went down. This is the condemnation. And I, and I, and I made him repeat it. I made him read it to me. I just schooled him. So he, I said, and also I want you to lay hands on him for his healing. He said, I will do it. Now, he ate a big t- chunk out of my day, but I thought that was important. So anyway, next day I called him back and I said, how'd it go? He goes, <laughs> he said, you're not going to believe it. I said, yes, I am. <laughs> he said, I got him to pray the sinner's prayer and they checked him out. They sent him home. He said, he said, I don't believe that. He said he was dying and I prayed a sinner's prayer with him and laid hands on him and showed him what you said. And the next day he got up and went home. I said, praise God. That whole story is the reason I preached nine months in this church on, on Mark 16 uh, going to all the world and preach the gospel and, and, and made an ambassador series so you could learn how to minister to people. All because of that one man. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. And you'd be surprised at how many people will come in this church and they, don't, they live from all over Orlando and they say, I just want to come over here. I got a hold of your tapes on how to lead someone to the Lord and I'm going to tell you something. I've been getting people saved everywhere and I just wanted to come meet you, but I can't come to church here. I live on the east side of town. I said, well, it's good to meet you. I just, you know, I may, I may do a whole thing. I'm, I'm thinking about doing some stuff on Facebook and YouTube. Just put it out there. And start getting, you know, asking some people some serious questions. Do you know? Do you know how to be born again? Um, I don't get a chance very often to get out in the world. But sometimes when I'm shooting IDPA, I like it because I'm not there as a pastor. And I don't tell them to quit cussing. Quit, don't try to, don't try, don't tell sinners to stop sinning. Just love on them. And, but I've had some real good conversations. I just had a conversation with a guy. Oh, by the way, Lisa Ross, the guy I was telling you about, went to the range. He shows up. I tried not to be there more than an hour and a half. I was there three and a half. We weren't shooting. He told me all about his experience going to church. 
and how he used to work in a church even though he smoked cigar and rode a motorcycle when he wasn't saved and how they gave him a job teaching Sunday school. So, you know, and so, so you were sitting there and I, and I knew I didn't have a lot of time. I knew I had to make this brief. And I said, I said, Ross, let me help you with something. Christianity is a blood covenant. And he goes, I never heard that in my life. I said, it's like being an Indian. You're going to cut a blood covenant with God. And he goes, wow. And I sat down and explained to him. He didn't pray with me. You know, sometimes you just got to sit and talk to somebody. Okay. Now, page two. Go to Mark 8. Go back to Mark 8. And I'm going to show you something. We're going to get back on the, on the subject of what's happening in America today. Mark 8, 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man was, must suffer many things and be rejected by elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed after three days and rise again. Did that happen? Yes. He spoke this word openly then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, when I read that, the Holy Ghost said to me, do you know why Peter did that? I said, you know, I've often wondered why did he do that? And I'm going to tell you why I did it. Because we've been taught all of our life to avoid pain. If there's pain... We will take the other road. We all do it. Nobody wants pain. But now you listen to what I'm going to say. If you follow God with all of your heart, it's going to cause you some pain. You don't have any idea what it's like to follow God and have a spouse walk on you. Because you're walking with God. That is tough. It's hard. We've almost avoided this whole subject as though somehow or another, if I'm living for God, everything will always go well if I'm in the will of God. I'm going to tell you not true. Can I promise you if you live for God, you'll be rich? I will tell you he'll bless you, but you might be broke for two years. And I know we don't even talk about it. nobody. See, nobody wants to talk about this. But when I got born again, do you know what it was like to God to get me a job working in a factory, making more money than I ever had had, and then ask me to quit and move to Tulsa and work for $20 a day? Do you think that's suffering? Yes, it's suffering. Sometimes being in the perfect will of God is going to cost you. Do you think everybody's going to understand what you're doing? No. The biggest problems you're going to have are going to be at home. It's not going to be people outside your house. And I mean the pressure. Satan puts the pressure on you because of the word, Jesus said. Because of the word, the pressure is going to come. 
And so what we've been taught to do when the pressure comes is to avoid the pressure. But Jesus looked at Peter and said, you get behind me, Satan. God is asking me to do this. Y'all never heard me preach like this in my entire life because I haven't. We're living in a hard time. Are you really ready or are you just sitting here going, you scared us. Well, you just get over it. David was not afraid of Goliath. It didn't say he didn't have trouble. You just learn to deal with it. Just face the giant and run at him and speak the word of God and get you a rock. When David obeyed God, fully obeyed God, he got kicked out of Israel. When Jesus obeyed God, he got kicked out of his family church. They kicked him out of church. Are you ready to get kicked out of church because you're obeying God? I've been kicked out of church. More than one. For following what God told me to do. Well, y'all, y'all are quiet in this Baptist church. This is good. This is good. And I think it's time we talked about this. So, so when he turned around, he looked at his disciples and he rebuked Peter. You get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. See, that's not, men, men, men are heading, men do not turn around and head into trouble. They avoid it with everything. And when he called, when he called the people to himself, the disciples, he said, whoever desires to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That is the most unpopular scripture in all American Christianity. Because if your Christianity didn't get you a job and put money on the table and make you happy, man, you're just going to fall away from God next week. Boy, y'all shout me down because I'm preaching real good. But I moved out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, $20. I worked four hours a day, $5 an hour. Went to Bible school, ate macaroni and cheese. I was happy as a dog with a T-bone steak. I didn't starve. I was fine. God took care of me. But you know, I was in the middle of the will of God. And then I finally, I finally started working up in the Hardesty Company, second largest apartment complex builder west of the Mississippi River. Roger Hardesty has an F-16 for a toy and a Rolls Royce. And I'm one of his top maintenance men. What does that look like to you? I want you to go to Orlando and be a youth pastor. Yes, sir. Are you serious? <laughs> and I went to Fern Park and became a maintenance man again, fixing dishwashers and stoves and preaching Jesus to teenagers who their parents would drag them in by their ear for me to get them born again and fill with the Holy Ghost. Happy as a dog with a T-bone steak. Lost everything because of that. Y'all heard me tell that story. But then... Here comes Lisa. Married a good woman. What do you want me to do? Pastor a church? No, sir. It's not that you guys are tough. It's not. Pastoring. Pastoring is probably the most, one of the most difficult jobs on the planet. We don't have hours. We can't charge you. We get accused of, of being immoral and, and 
and greedy, and it, it just it's it's off the chart. If I preach on something um, that you want to hear, then the building fills up. But if I obey God and preach something you don't want to hear, it just thins crowd. <laughs> and people, the Lord told them to go to another church. You lying devil from hell, you. He didn't either. Some of the people you think are spiritual and haven't got a clue this side of heaven. But you have to obey God. You got to obey God. And the hardest thing that I ever dealt with was working with a person and working with a person and working with a person and helping them and helping them and helping them. And then you just, they didn't like one thing and they just walked. You, you have, it's like going through a divorce every week. It'll, it'll wreck you if you don't learn to cast the care of it over on God. And then they walk out and blame you for their whole life. My life fell apart in your fault. You said darn one Sunday morning. I said, no, that's not all I said. I said heck too. I never promised you a rose garden along with the sunshine. Glory to God. All right. That's why I told God I didn't want to do this job. I said, I'm qualified. I knew I would. I knew. I said, Lot, you don't want me to do this. I know I'm a construction redneck from Georgia. I know it, God. You need to know this. Take my word for it. You do not want me to be a pastor. I will kill somebody. No, I didn't. Go to Acts chapter 5. I want to show you something. How are we doing for time? Five forty one. And they agreed in verse forty, and they called the apostles and they beat them. We don't hear any sermons on this. <laughs> and they commanded them to stop preaching in the name of Jesus, and they let him go. And they departed from the presence of the council and rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Oh, we don't hear anything. We don't, we don't, I don't know if I ever heard any sermons on this in my entire life. Anybody ever came back and said, they beat the mud out of us last week, hallelujah. <laughs> we've, ever since we got saved, we've been going through hell, pastor. Praise the name of Jesus. Okay, what about Acts 9? Let's look at this one, 9.16. Let's read 15. And the Lord says, go for Paul. I added the word Paul. It's a chosen vessel of mine. He's going to bear my name forth Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And I'm going to show him how many things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. Well, that in the Lord. That's not the Lord, Pastor. I'm telling you right now, Jesus would not send Paul into a situation where he would suffer. Yeah, he will. Oh, you better believe he will. And I'm going to tell you something about suffering. All of you people who think, I miss God. God will put you in a place just so you'll suffer. Amen. You know what's suffering? Your flesh. Yeah. Amen. I'm telling you, I hate this job. I hate this job. I hate this job. You're probably in the perfect will of God. And you know, why is, it that, why is it that we avoid everything that doesn't look like Ozzie and Harriet? 
Come on, y'all, I'm asking some good questions. Why is it we think we have missed God? He, he, now, we understand you're not going to suffer sickness and disease, but he never told you you would have. If, if you're in the perfect will of God, everything's going to go rosy. I got news for you. No, it's not. I'm helping somebody right now because you came in the night thinking you must be doing something really bad. I'm telling you, you might be doing something really right. Don't stop obeying God just because it got a little tough on you. I'm going to tell you something else about, you know why God puts you in a church? He wants you to meet people that don't like you. And he wants you to meet people you don't like. Want to talk about marriage? You know the only thing cut a diamond's a diamond? Honey, we're talking marriage now. Because you've been looking a lot prettier since you got married. Because your spouse came along and went, wacko! And, and popped a big chip off of an old rough diamond. And when God and your spouse gets done with you, you're going to look good. Somewhere along the line, we came up with this idea, that's not Christianity. Oh, baby, it most certainly is. If you're getting to do everything you want to do, you need to repent and get right with God. Somehow or another, I think this is better than y'all are amen. But anyway, Romans chapter 8. See, I didn't know any of this when I left Rhema. I thought it was all going to be like Kenneth Copeland. That I was just going to preach and they were going to bring in the money and I was going to get me a new car and an airplane and ride around and just be happy and be full of God. Hallelujah. And thank you, Jesus, and dance in the Holy Ghost every Sunday. And it didn't happen. <laughs> the first Sunday I pastored, I went home and I said, I quit. <laughs> I did it the next Sunday, and I did it the next Sunday, and I did it 52 times in a row. <laughs> Y'all started thinking that I took Monday off. I did not. I quit. It took God to Tuesday to get me to come back. You guys polished. You guys have made me the diamond I am. And what y'all didn't do, Lisa did. All right. Romans 8, 17. Are y'all ready? And the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. This is verse 16, that we're children of God. And if children, heirs, and heirs of God, join heirs. If indeed we suffer with him, we will be glorified with him. Jesus suffered while he was on this earth in the perfect will of God, and he was perfect. What do you think is going to happen to you? And you are imperfect. You're going, to go, you're going to go through some trials. Yes, you are. Let me tell you what to do right now. Make up your mind, I'm not quitting. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm not quitting. Verse 18, for I consider the suffering of this present time is not worthy 
to be compared with the glory which be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly because of him who subjected it in hope. The creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Let me, let me read this. For we know the whole creation groans and labors and birth pains until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruit of the Spirit grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the redemption of our body. Let me tell you something. There's been times I've been in prayer, and it wasn't, and it wasn't sweet, sweet hour of prayer. I've had sweet, sweet hours of prayer with God. And I've had times when I felt like I got in a meat grinder and prayed an hour and left hamburger. And I don't know what I was praying for, but it was not fun. It was just not fun. I'm in there praying, going, help me, Jesus. I just want to move a God. Hallelujah. And I'm in there going, oh, God, I feel like 100,000 miles of unpaved road. And I mean, there have been weeks and months. My prayer life was just labor. What do you do? Quit. Go get drunk. Are you all out there? Did you go home? I'm, I think y'all are going, I, I, I think he's on to something here. I like this. Galatians 6.12. Go to Galatians 6.12. This is all in your Bible. I'm, I'm doing this over and over because I want you to see that it's in the Bible. It, it's not an odd thing that I've just brought up. But it's something we don't talk about. And I showed you that about what's coming because, because most people go, oh, 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 I don't want to hear it. Oh, I'm sorry. Are y'all, I mean, listen, he gave you the greater. He told you, you build yourself up on your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Ghost. I don't tell you, I don't feel. Well, then go under. Go under. You won't be the first person. Don't take this very serious. You don't have to. You do not have to take the Bible serious. There, there's a lot of people who don't take it serious. They don't take it serious. You can join their ranks and go and have a good day. It's very hard and disheartening. Y'all, 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 you got family members. Got teenage kids. Not living for God. Parents. They don't know how to pray. They don't care. Don't want to know. It'll all work out. No, it won't. No, it won't. That's a deception. That's a lie. That you can kind of float through life and go from one vacation to another and have a good life. That's baloney. No, you can't. You're not going to get revived because you go to Jamaica. This is the rest wherewith you cause the weary to rest, praying in the Holy Ghost. You've got the ability to rest and sit at home. Okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm meddling now because y'all are looking at me like, I think, he's, I think he's running out of time and I wished he would. All right. Galatians 6.12. 
as many as desire to make a good showing in your flesh would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. If you're going to walk with God, there will be persecution. You're going to catch it for your walk with God. I'm going to church. What for? What for? You went last week. What are you doing down there anyway? It's so important. Get to see what, what's wrong with you. You just don't ever have any fun anymore. No, there's a devil, and I have already made up my mind that I'm not running with him anymore. All right. I, I, I have a lot to say about that, but I can't. Philippians 1, this is it's fixing to get good now. Philippians 1.29, look at this. Let's read 28. And not any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them is proof of perdition, but to you is salvation from God. And to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake. You are running cross grain to the world. There was a, there was a, um, a wall in Pine Hills that someone did a mural on it years ago, unauthorized by the city. Y'all remember it? And all the fish were going one way and then the Christian fish was going upstream. I don't know. I guess it stayed there for a while because no one took it down. And I thought someone had the guts to get in there. Let me tell you something. You are not running like the world. If you are, my question is why? Why is it that we have a hard time with someone not liking us? There is a danger you wanting everyone to like you. Because you walk with God, you will be odd man out. You are going to be weird by world standards. Are you ready for that? Why is it that you have to have everyone think highly of you? And, and today, if you're odd man out, you have family members that will look you right in your face and say, why do you act like you? And I want to go because I'm on fire. Amen. You spend time with God and praying the Holy Ghost. You, you'll start caring about people. You start caring about people, you're going to do some strange stuff. You're going to say some stuff to people. I mean, in love. I'm not talking about being mean to people. I'm just talking about sitting back and having a good, healthy conversation with somebody going, what are you doing and why are you doing that? Yeah, that's not going to turn out well. It's like the guy I told you earlier. It was very hard to look at people and go, oh, I did all I know. Yeah. You don't know anything, and why is that? Why is it you still don't know anything? That's hard. Because right now, friendship's over for a week or two. You know, we, Lisa and I have had family members hang up the phone until they get in trouble. Oh, will you pray for me? Yeah. <laughs> First Peter chapter three. There's a this is now you can take this one home. Now listen, look at this. The whole book of First Peter is about suffering. 
count it, I'm going to quote a scripture to you. Count it all joy when you fall in the diverse temptations, tests, and trials. One more time. Are you ready? Count it all joy. What? When you fall. Now, he didn't say blow a gasket. He said when, that means you're going to fall into trouble. You're going to get in to temptations. You're going to, you're going to get in stuff. What are you supposed to do? Get mean and ugly? No. You're to count it joy. So we can tell how your walk with God is doing by how you're acting in trouble. Because we don't want trouble, so we are trying everything to keep trouble from happening and doing it. We only count it all joy when everything's going right. You just don't know what I'm going through. Count it all joy when, 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 when you fall, plop on your face in trouble. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Shall, 100% guaranteed fact, you're going to have trouble. And you already told you what to do about it. When that happens, you're supposed to go, hallelujah. I think I'll sing a song. All right. 1 Peter 3.13. And who is he who will harm you if you're followers of what's good? Even if you were to suffer... For righteousness' sake, you are what? Y'all didn't say that very loud. Say, I am blessed. And don't be afraid of their threats and don't be troubled by it. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone to ask you the reason the hope that's in you. The meekness having a good conscience to defame you, the evildoers, and revile your good conduct. They will revile your good conduct. They will. Why will they, why do they do that? Why do they do that? Because your light is driving them nuts. Your walk with God is driving them nuts. Just at work one day, Morgan, we wish you would just cuss. I said, well, okay, you're going to hell. Morgan, that's exactly what we're talking about. I said, you want me to say another one? And damnation. (laughs) Never mind. Y'all have no appreciation for talking to a sinner. Verse 17. It is better if the, the will of God you suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ suffered once for sins and just the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit but whom he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient and once divine long sufferings blah 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 chapter 4 verse 1 therefore since Christ suffered for you in your flesh arm yourself with the same mind for he who has suffered in his flesh has finally quit sinning. Why is the suffering coming? To get you to change. 
And if you've already made up your mind, hell or high water, I'm not changing, you're going to suffer. But you also get to walk with God. Now everybody's going to laugh at you, make fun of you, and call you a holy roller and everything else. But you get to walk with God. You get to get on fire for God. The greatest thing in the world for you to get over what everybody thinks of you. Until they start paying your rent and healing your body, we really don't care what you think. This has been fun, hasn't it? I don't know how to quit, but I have to because I'm going over two whole minutes. Which in some churches is a mortal sin, but I know that you're suffering because of it. You know, I'm going to tell you all something we're going to do in this church. We're going to take that clock off the wall. Sunday morning, I think we're just going to come in here and obey God. And if you feel like you've got to go home, go to work, you just give them the whole word. We might have an hour and a half service. We might have two hours. We don't, I, I'm kind of getting over this whole get you lukewarm Christians out of here. No, no, y'all are not. I know that. How many of y'all, let me ask you a question. You've actually gone through some stuff and thought, what am I doing wrong? Yes. Buddy, I did. I went through a period of my time and I think, what am I doing wrong? My God, I must be a heathen. As much hell as I'm going through, I have got to be a slap heathen. And I wasn't at all. And so I would pray in the Holy Ghost more and hell would increase. And I go, what is this, God? Till I learned from Mark Hankins. Count it all joy. Glory to God. You want to give the devil a heart attack, start singing. And don't let the guilt get on you because everything ain't going right. Wouldn't it be nice if everything did go right? I'm going to tell you someday it will. There's a song about it. In the sweet by and by. We will land on that wonderful shore. When you get to heaven, listen, it'll all be great. But until then, back at the ranch, hell may break loose this week. <laughs> Say this, I ain't quitting. I ain't changing. I ain't giving up. I'm going to get more on fire. I don't care what's happening in this world. Everybody can be mad at everybody, but I'm not joining in. That fire that Brother Hagen talked about, it's going to fall on my head. I'm going to be the fireball, and I'm unashamed, and I'm not afraid to follow God wherever he leads me. It's a whole lot better, guys, to be in the will of God that be hard than to be easy out of the will of God. If you want to know who to ask, ask Judas. <laughs> ask, the, ask King Saul. I'm going to tell you something. God, God, God will bless you. The glory of God will rest on you. Spiritually, life is easy when you walk in the spirit. But sp only spiritually. It may not be Physically. And, you, and that, that's where America's, their, American Christians, they're in a war right now with their flesh. The biggest fight you are having right now is your flesh. 
I don't want to do that, God. That's going to cost me too much. Aretha Hagen wrote a book one time called The Grace is Greater than the, than the, than the Suffering or the Call. Or... Let me tell you something. You, you get called to God to do something. You get serious, it may get tough. And I don't, people don't want to hear that. Sleep in a bed in India that's five feet tall and you're five foot ten. You just do that one. What, what's what Ragged Island, Sandy? Sleeping on concrete. With the, wake up in the morning, the goat's licking your face. No, we led some people to the Lord, though, didn't we? They got saved. God told me one time to go to India, and I said, I have lost nothing there. I went. Two weeks later, I said, it's time to go home. An angel came and got me out of a mess. I said, I came. I'm going home. I could, boy, I just love coming home to America. Everything looks awesome. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the night. I think we came in here and, and, went and, and came up against some reality. And I pray that the truth of it set us free. We got people sitting in this room right now that are going through trouble. And it may or may not necessarily be because they're doing anything wrong. They might be, but many times they're not. We've avoided that. We've been like Peter, rebuking, no, 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 Lord, you're not going to have trouble. Yeah, yeah, you just might. But, Father God, there's a grace on us for the times we do go through trouble or hard times, and we're in the middle of your will. And, and I'm going to tell you something, it's awesome, it's awesome. We just trust you. There's a peace. We sleep at night. And I thank you, Father God, for if there is someone in this room tonight that's going through a hard time, to commit their soul to you like Peter did. And he finally, they locked him in a jail and he went to sleep because he trusts you. And Father, it's, it's, it's precious to be in the middle of your will, even though everything around us is not going well. I know for a fact that I'm speaking to people that came to church tonight. And I pray they go home with a peace. Thank you, Heavenly Father. But maybe, just maybe, it's not me at all. It might be because of my walk with you. And I give you thanks, Father God, for everybody in this room. I ask you to bless them this week and cause them to be on fire for God in the time we're living in. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Hey, God bless every one of y'all. Thank you. And I had to make you suffer seven extra minutes. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.